I want to share some things with you about the Holy Spirit. And uh, I'm going to be reading out of John 14. And you, I just invite you to turn there with me. I know on Wednesday nights, um, I've been teaching about the Trinity. And tonight, I want to just take advantage of that opportunity. And I want to share a few things about the Holy Spirit, His deity. Um, you know, we, we say the three persons of the Godhead. And we would say Jesus is the second person of the Godhead. The Holy Spirit is the third person. But it's not in a ranking as though one is less than another. It's just a distinguishing between the three. But they're all one. And so there can't be a ranking of them because they're one. They're equal in every way. And I want to just talk about the Holy Spirit and I hope to close tonight with an illustration that I, I, I'm praying and believing God will just use in your life um, to stir you up, to give you hope, to encourage your prayer time tonight in, in the things of the Lord that he's put before you. But I'm going to read some, some things about the Godhead. There is one person of the Father, another of the Son, and another of the Holy Ghost. But the Godhead of the Father, of the Son... And of the Holy Ghost is all one, the glory equal, the majesty co-eternal. Such as the Father is, such is the Son, and such is the Holy Ghost. The Father uncreated, the Son uncreated, the Holy Ghost uncreated. The Father incomprehensible, the Son incomprehensible, and the Holy Ghost incomprehensible. The Father is eternal, the Son is eternal, and the Holy Ghost is eternal. And there are not three eternals, but one eternal. As there are not three uncreated, nor three incomprehensibles, but one uncreated being who is incomprehensible. So likewise, the Father is almighty, the Son is almighty, and the Holy Ghost is almighty. But there are not three almighties, but one almighty God. So the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Ghost is God. But there are not three gods, there is one God. So likewise, the Father is Lord, the Son is Lord, and the Holy Ghost is Lord. But there are not three lords, there is one Lord. And in this trinity... None is before or after another. None is greater or less than another. But the whole three persons are co-eternal together and co-equal. So that in all things, the unity in the Trinity and the Trinity in unity as God is to be worshipped. In regards to the Holy Ghost, the scripture says that he's God. And gives to him the attributes that belong to God and the Son. For instance, in Psalm 139, it says, Whither shall I go from your spirit? Or whither shall I flee from your presence? That is omnipresence. No other being has omnipresence but God. Only God claims this. And the psalmist attributed omnipresence to the Holy Spirit. In the book of Job, he is given the power of creation. For Job says in chapter 26, verse 13, 
by his spirit, he has garnished the heavens. His hand has formed the crooked servant, serpent. And Job 33, 4 says, the spirit of God has made me and the breath of the almighty has given me life. <clears throat> and there we have the breath of the ghost, the spirit of the almighty has given me life. Therefore, the Holy Spirit here is said to be creator. He issues commands, thus saith the Spirit of God. Only God can do that. For the Holy Spirit to do it, he must be God. And then there is the command by Jesus to go into all the world and to baptize those that believe on him in the name of the Father and in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost would come into the deep of man's spirit. There he would live and teach the disciples, and he would lead them. He and he alone would make them holy, and he would give them power. This is what Jesus taught all the way through his ministry. Jesus told the disciples that there was a new and superior kind of life that was coming that had been foreign to men up to this time, and that would be a life in the Spirit. As I read that, and we're about to read in John 14, some passages about the Holy Ghost, I just want you to understand that there are many thoughts about the Godhead, but all these thoughts mean nothing. The only thing that's important is what God thinks and what God reveals to us about himself. And so there are men which form thoughts and form groups of thoughts which come forth in denominations and divisions of doctrines and so forth. And you have so many doctrines, so many things that are out there because it's men trying to understand with their finite minds an infinite God. God cannot be explained. He is beyond anything we could ever imagine or comprehend. Everything we've ever seen in life is a creation that God has made. It is not made out from God. It is made by God. But we've never seen God. We've seen his fingerprint. We've seen his, we've seen his handiwork. We've seen glimpses of his power. But we will see him one day. And you will see Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. We will see him like that. Will the Father be seen? Absolutely. He's seen on the throne, sitting on the throne. John saw him. And will we see the Son? Absolutely. For there was a lamb at the throne beside the Father. And will we see the Holy Ghost? Yes, because John saw him in Revelation 4 and 5 as the seven spirits of God. Not seven persons of the Holy Ghost, but seven representing absolute perfection and power. And he saw the Holy Ghost. And we will see God in his uncreated essence. And we will know that he is beyond anything we've ever seen in our entire life. Nothing could compare to anything that God is. Now, many people say, and this is oneness theology, oneness theology believes that when Jesus was on earth, all of God was on earth. That means they do not believe in the Trinity. They do not believe that there's three persons to the Godhead. 
They believe that Father, Son, Holy Ghost are just different roles that Jesus has taken upon himself or God takes upon himself. But when Jesus was on earth, the Father was on earth in the Son and the Holy Ghost was on earth and nobody was in heaven. Well, that contradicts too many scriptures to be true. Because we know that the Father speaks from heaven at the baptism of Jesus. We know the Holy Ghost is descending from heaven in the form of a dove at the baptism of Jesus. We also know at the Mount of Transfiguration, the Father speaks from heaven. And so it does not bear with the scriptures to say that everything of God was 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 in Jesus because the Father's in heaven and the Holy Ghost is anointing Jesus to do the things he's going to do in earth. A lot of people misunderstand the Holy Ghost. They, they look at the Holy Ghost as being some type of force or some type of power. They do not see him as a person, but they see him impersonal. Those that are of oneness theology refer to the Holy Ghost as an it. Jesus never referred to him as an it and does not give us the right to refer to him as that. And the problem that exists when we do is we do not cultivate a personal relationship with him because you don't cultivate a personal relationship with energy. You don't cultivate a personal relationship with sunlight. It's just some type of force. It has some type of influence. And to refer to the Holy Ghost as an it removes him from his person and makes him an impersonal thing. You must be personal and intimate with the Holy Ghost. And I just want to show this to you tonight. In chapter 14, Jesus says in John, verse 16, he makes this very clear. And there's a key to this. I want you to follow with me. Jesus said, I will pray the Father. Well, that's just an insult, and it's toying with people's understanding for Jesus to say, I'm going to pray to somebody that doesn't exist. That's what oneness would have to say. You can't reckon this scripture and its truthfulness if there's not a father that Jesus is actually praying to. And he says, I will pray the father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it sees him not, neither knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. Notice how Jesus refers to him as a he, not an it. It doesn't say it shall dwell with you or it shall be with you, because he's a person and he has emotions and he has feelings and he has desires and he has longings and he must be considered as such. Well, Jesus said, I'm going to pray and God's going to send you another comforter. That word another means of the same kind, of the same degree, but different from what I am or who I am. Separate from me, but just like me is who's going to be sent. And he is a comforter, which means an intercessor, a consoler, an advocate, and a comforter. Well, this agrees with the scriptures. In Romans chapter 8, it says, We know that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord, or called according to His birth. How do we know that? Well, we know that because Romans 8 says that the Holy Ghost intercedes for you with groanings that you cannot utter. But not only does Romans 8 tell us that the Holy Ghost intercedes for us, but Romans 8 also tells us 
Who shall lay anything against us? It's Christ that died, yea, rather that is at the right hand of the Father interceding for you. We have two intercessors. Jesus before the Father interceding the merit of his blood on your behalf and the Holy Ghost in you interceding the effect of that blood in your personal life, giving you freedom from guilt and freedom from despair. That's what the Holy Ghost, isn't he wonderful to do that? And so the Holy Ghost is a comforter, but he's another comforter. Jesus said he's, he's coming, he's just like me, but he's separate from me, but, but he's one, he's one God. Well, this, this all plays out as Jesus goes on. The key to this, John 14, verse 18, he said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. That shows you the unity of the Godhead. The another's coming who's going to comfort you, and I'm coming. I'm in him. He's in me. You cannot separate us. But he is different from me. But he's coming. And when he comes, I'm coming. So this is just profound, guys. I don't by any means try to explain this to you other than the fact is what Jesus said. That's what I believe. God is amazing, infinite, He's and, and I just believe what he says. And this is the way it is. So Jesus said, I will come. I will not leave you comfortless because he's coming in the person of that spirit. Verse 26, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. Now, this is interesting. Whom the Father will send in my name. So who's sending him? The Father will send him in my name. Well, if the Father's sending him, that means he must be separate from the Father. And he must be separate from the Son. And he said, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said to you. That's what he's going to do. In chapter 15, verse 26 very interesting. And he says in 15 verse 26, but when the comforter is come, whom I will send. Well, in chapter 14, who sends him? The father does. In chapter 15, who sends him? Jesus does, which just shows the absolute authority that exists in both of them. Jesus is not less than the father. The Father is not greater than Jesus. They're all equal, all equal in power, all equal in essence. And for the Father to send the Holy Ghost, it's as if Jesus is sending the Holy Ghost. And for the Holy Ghost to come, it's just like Jesus coming. They're one. They're one in their unity and one in their essence. When the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceeds, he comes forth from the Father, he shall testify of me. That's what he's coming to do. He's going to testify of Jesus, not of himself, but of Jesus. That's very important. John 16, verse 8, he says this, when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin. Notice all of the he's that he's referred to. When he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness, and of judgment, of sin, because they believe not on me, of righteousness, because I go to my Father, and you see me no more, of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. I have many things to say to you, 
but you cannot bear them now. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he, shall sh- and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. And I just want you to see in verses 13 and 14, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 times, he is referred to as he, as a person. Never is he referred to by Jesus as an it. And when he comes, he's not talking about himself, but he's going to talk about Jesus. That's all he's going to talk about. Jesus makes the distinction. He's going to lead you into all truth. He's not going to talk about himself. He's going to talk about me. That's what he's coming to do. And he shows the separation and the distinction that is in the Godhead, but the absolute unity that exists in the Godhead. There's not three gods. There's one God, not three thrones, one throne, not three lords, one Lord. And there are absolute unity, but there are three persons. There are three persons, unique and separate. It's going to be an amazing thing when we see God. Absolutely amazing to see him uncreated and in all of his being. I just hope, I just want to lay that out to you tonight. We'll talk more about the Holy Ghost in the weeks to come. But I just want you to see Jesus makes it very clear that he is a unique individual in the Godhead. And he's not a force And he's not a power, but he is the spirit of truth and he is a comforter and he is a person who is to be known, who is to be intimate with and who is to be dwelt with. And I want to give you one more passage of scripture that's of a different thought, but it shows the distinction between the Holy Ghost and Jesus. And we already have seen the distinction between Jesus and the father in Matthew chapter 12. I want you to see this. It shows you the separateness, the distinction that is between them. And in Matthew 12, verse 31, Jesus makes an amazing teaching about the Holy Ghost and how he should be treated. And in Matthew chapter 12, verse 31, Wherefore, I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy, shall be forgiven unto men. But the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, who's that? Jesus. Whosoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaks against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Now listen, you have got to be able, a baby could see there's a difference between the Son of Man and the Holy Ghost. If you say anything against Jesus, blaspheme him in any way that can be forgiven. But if you say anything against the Holy Ghost and blaspheme him, 
that will not be forgiven in this life or in the life to come. That's pretty serious, isn't it? He better be treated right. He better be treated correctly. And so this is very, very important. Well, you know, it it can boil down to this. Unbelief, the denial, the rejection of the Holy Spirit's witness of Jesus Christ. You speak against that. You blaspheme his witness of Jesus. Because when he comes, what's he coming to do? Testify of Jesus talk of Jesus, witness to Jesus. That's what he comes to do. And you speak evil of that. You speak against that. You blaspheme his witness of Jesus. You have no faith. You're, you're, you're in unbelief. Unbelief will never be forgiven. Unbelief will carry you into hell forever and ever and ever to deny the truth of Jesus Christ that the Holy Ghost is, is come to witness to. You deny that truth You have no salvation. You have no hope. You must believe that truth that he declares. Don't don't bring anything. Don't bring any railing thing. You you might have said things about Jesus. You might have said things about the Father that will be forgiven. But if you deny or blaspheme what the Holy Ghost is here to tell you, and you reject that truth that he's come to give you, you, there's no hope of salvation. The only hope we have is in him. And by him, it's very clear to see that there is a difference between the Holy Ghost and a difference between Jesus. But they are absolutely one. For Jesus says, we read it in John 14, when I go, the Father's going to send the Holy Ghost in my name. I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to come to you in comfort. It is impossible to distinguish or separate the unity of the Godhead, but there is a distinction in that Godhead which is very plain in Scripture and is wonderful to have a simplistic faith that just sees it and believes it. And that means if the Holy Ghost is is God and He's come into this world not as a force or a power or an influence, but as a person, then He can be known. And it is a blessing to know Him. And it is a blessing to walk with him. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit of God, that we might know the things that are of God. He is the spirit of revealed truth, the secret of divine power, the spirit of God that dwells in the spirit of man. The Holy Ghost is a person the spirit of Christ, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of truth, the spirit of holiness, the spirit of life. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost. Jesus did nothing without the Holy Ghost, did nothing apart from him, said nothing that he was not saying, did nothing that he was not doing. Jesus went to the cross and offered himself as the ransom for men according to Hebrews, by the eternal spirit. This Holy Ghost is eternal. God's eternal. Jesus is eternal. You're not eternal. I'm not eternal. I'm immortal, but I'm not eternal. I had a beginning. The Holy Ghost never had a beginning. 
He always was God in everything that he is and everything that he will be. And I just want to share this with you. I, I, I was just praying about the service tonight and, and just praying, you know, that we would be a Holy Ghost people. You know, so, so often, so many times that's lost. It's lost in our formalities. It's lost in our going to prayer and saying prayer. Everything in this life as Jesus intended it is only possible in the Holy Ghost. We sometimes conclude that we're in the spirit because we can pray in tongues. Well, you can pray in tongues and not be spiritual, but to have an intimate relationship with the Holy Ghost, I'll tell you, nothing can take the place of that. Oftentimes, church tries to, and that's why we lose people, because they lose the, the emphasis of this life. They lose the passion of this life. They lose the fire of this life, or they never get it. Well, the church can give you nothing. The preaching can give you nothing. We can preach a message. Something can go forth that you agree with, that you amen, and you will lose that as fast as the devil can come. Take that out of your heart. But if you get it in the Holy Ghost, then you've got it. Paul said, that which has been given to you, keep by the Holy Ghost. I've lost too many things in my life by, because of my religiousness, my life, hearing something, agreeing with something, then I'm going to keep it because I understood it. I'd rather never understand it here, but have something impressed upon me by the Spirit of God in my spirit. And that's, that's something that will always keep surfacing back up because the Holy Ghost planted it in me. And he's doing that. He's doing that work in me. And I just say that, you know, she's not here tonight. I'll talk about my sister for just a moment. You know, I grew up and I love to play sports. I love to play, well, not everything, but most everything I love to play. And whatever was going on in the neighborhood, I was involved in it. And I didn't care how old the people were, how much older they were than me, or how much younger, I just wanted to play. And I'd jump in it and I'd play. And I loved it. My father loved to watch sports. He didn't play it as much as he watched it. But I like to play it, and I like to watch it. And so Dad and I would watch football. We'd watch baseball. We'd watch basketball. We'd watch amateur boxing, which is really fabulous. We'd watch all these things, and we just watched it. Well, Dee would come in and just have no time for that. She'd have no time for watching sports, watching or sitting with us. It just did not interest her at all. We'd say, Dee, come on, it's a good football game. Come watch it. Oh, I'm not interested in that. I don't want to watch football, you know, or the World Series is on. Come watch the World Series. I do not care to watch the World Series. Baseball is the most boring thing ever. I don't know how y'all do that and watch that. She just hated it until she met Randy. And when she met Randy, she watched everything he watched, and she started becoming very interested in it. Then she had sons who liked to play. They played baseball. They played other things, mainly baseball, but played other things, played basketball. Well, she suddenly became very interested in that. 
And the reason she became interested, and then, you know, once she was with Randy, and Randy explains everything, he's so patient with her, and he explains everything. No, D, in baseball, you don't have quarters, you have innings, and you don't score touchdowns in baseball, you score runs. And so, that, and so now she's because she could sit with you and she could tell you what football is, tell you what baseball is, she explained it to you. She could tell you what that call is from an umpire, what it means or what a referee's doing. She could tell you what that is because she fell in love with somebody who enjoyed that and loved that. And now her sons love that and her sons love baseball and she wanted to be with her sons. And so she wanted to understand. She wanted to understand what's going on in the game. She wanted to understand when they did something good. She wanted to applaud at the right time. Not when you strike out, you don't clap, you know. She just wanted to do the right thing at the right time. And so she learned it because she loved Randy. There's one person in this earth who loves Jesus, and that's the Holy Ghost. He loves Jesus. And the things of God are not interesting to you and I by nature. Our flesh is not interested in God. You do not want to pray naturally. You pray in trouble. You pray in desperation, but naturally to just pray and just go enjoy. We don't naturally do that. And guys, I just pray this illustration will help you because if you can develop a relationship with the Holy Ghost, he loves Jesus. He loves to spend time with the Father and with the Son, just like Jesus loved to spend time with his Father The Holy Ghost loves to spend time. And you become a close friend to the Holy Ghost and you will find yourself becoming very interested in Jesus, in prayer, in the word, in church, not out of the duties and the formalities, but out of the absolute delight of his companionship and what he's showing you. And you begin to understand and you begin to see what Jesus just did that is so awesome and you just begin to love it. That's what he wants to do in our life. Just like being with Randy transformed D, being with the Holy Ghost will transform you and I. And apart from that, I wouldn't give you a dime to be here if he wasn't real and that I could love him and be with him And really know some things of God tonight. That's what I desire to know. I want to encourage you in prayer. Don't you just come and sit there. But press into God. Press into the Holy Ghost. And pray with one another tonight. And pray for one another tonight. And ask the Holy Ghost. I want a relationship with you. You're not a force. Jesus never called you an it. You're a he. You're a person. And I want to know you've come here to live with me. I want to live with you. I want to walk with you. And I need you to teach me how, and he will.